Welcome to One More Time. I'm Sean Smith, executive producer for the podcast. I didn't feel like I had had the full band director experience when I taught until I took my band to Disney World. It is the ubiquitous band trip. I also learned how to not sleep, how to fret about student safety, and how to visit every country in Epcot in about four hours. Oh, and to never trust your students not to select the most turbulent version of Mission Space after you tell them you get motion sickness. Trips are a great time for groups to build community and camaraderie, and it's sad that they often occur at the end of the year. But the memories those students build last forever. Two groups at Illinois recently took trips, and we documented their experiences. The Marching Illini traveled to Ireland to march in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Dublin, and the Illinois Wind Symphony went on tour to New York City to perform in Alice Tully Hall. What you will hear today are the student experiences on that trip. On the road again Just can't wait it on the road again I follow this making music with my friends I can't wait to get on the road again Sousa and the University of Illinois have quite the history together. Today, among other stories, Scott Schwartz, the director of the Sousa Archive and Center for American Music, will tell us about Sousa's 1903 tour and his band's trip to Ireland. Welcome to the Sousa Archives and the Sousa Archives Hour once again. Hi, I'm Scott, the archivist extraordinaire, and I'm with the wonderful Zia Fox, who is now our questioner and will help us through today's discussion about the band trip. Sousa Band planned their first world tour, um, and it was originally scheduled for 1903. Can you tell me something about what prevented this from happening? Essentially, you know, the, um, the countries of China, Hong Kong, Japan, and the Philippines in particular, they were dropped from the tour because of failed visa and contract negotiations. So in some respects, that was the first brick wall that the Sousa band um, ran into. Now, Russia in itself offers up some unique kind of experiences I don't think Sousa had ever encountered before. Um, censorship, um, particularly for advertising and lyrics of songs that the band sang, were literally things that um, Sousa had not expected. Another challenge with Russia um, was the taxation system. The Sousa band um, was taxed heavily in both Russia and Poland. Um, there were excise taxes for the musicians, the performance, performance venues, printing of advertising. By the time he was done paying the taxes, he lost money. We think of it as Sousa's musical misadventure in 1903 and in learning those lessons for his 1910-1911 tour. Can you tell me what it was like for the Sousa band when they played in Ireland? Well, you know, it was a short um, five days um, compared to all of the other locations. Ireland was the shortest um, stint on their way to Dublin. Herbert L. Clark writes, our walk to the station this morning was made through mud of the sticky kind, one step forward might result in sliding back steps too. Train left the Great Southern and Western Station at 8.15 and after a cold ride arrived at the Dublin Kingsbridge Station at 12.30. Dublin is the finest town in Ireland that I have visited. In fact, I like it better than 
any commercial town in England that we have played. The lovely seashore towns are of course different and in a class by themselves. They surpass anything in the States as real places of beauty. Very sorry that we are not playing here for a longer period as we have many things that we want to see. The music is very um, um, energetic, and um, Sousa is as Sousa, a, a conducting dynamo. Um, in fact, as in the United States, people would come to the concerts to watch Mr. Sousa conduct as much as listen to the band. This relationship with the folks of Ireland, I think, was tenuous at best. And by 1911, when they returned briefly to Ireland, only played two more days and never returned. So I suspect, as much as Sousa may have loved Ireland, not entirely sure everyone loved Mr. Sousa. That's our story for today, live from the Sousa archives. Take care. For today's two-minute rehearsal technique, we have Dr. Tim Lotzenheiser, the former executive director of Bands of America. Directing honor bands in all states and so forth like this, rarely is there a problem with the music. The kids are good. They can do this. It's the off-the-podium stuff I often look at. So when they come in, sit down, are the feet flat on the floor, are the eyes connected, are they ready to go? Or do you have to take time doing that? All men are created equal. That is not true. What is true is we all have 24 hours a day. And rehearsal time is so precious, yeah? Do you maximize that rehearsal time for music making? Or do you end up using it for focus? And if you end up using it for focus, it's not for music making. So for any director, the very, I mean, the number one thing to teach is focus. Sit down. We don't talk. This is a sacred time. We're going to make music. And if somebody slips, after rehearsal, you pull them aside and go, Danny, let's remind you, if you're in this group, right? Because nothing's going to get done until there's the connection. We're just wasting our time. Before we highlight the Marching Illini's trip to Ireland, the University of Illinois Wind Symphony had a tour of New York City in April 2018. Here were some of their favorite moments. Here's Athletic Band's graduate assistant, Anjali Savankarin. The favorite part of my trip has been obviously performing at this wonderful venue, but I think the other best part is seeing so many people that would never have imagined of being in New York City to perform at a great place with all their friends and great music and get to experience that with everyone. And that's just really special, like seeing everyone go traveling in the city and be in awe from all the sights. Now here is Illinois Director of Bands, Dr. Steven Peterson. I, my favorite part is just watching it actually unfold and seeing it happen. It's a little bit surreal when, yeah, when I've been playing it in my mind for a long time, and now all of a sudden it's here, and it's, it's fun to watch the students interact and look up at the skyscrapers and interact with each other and you know, deal with all the little bumps along the way that we have. It's, it's what makes tours important and makes us much more of a community and, a, and kind of a family, and uh, that's the best part. I mean, we're, we're in the best part now, too, with the concert. We have a very friendly audience here tonight. It's going to be awesome. But uh, 
it's, it's more than that. It's just the way we all kind of come together. And lastly, principal trumpet of the Illinois Wind Symphony, Dylan Meyer. My favorite part about the trip has just been the camaraderie and the, um, the very special moments we've all shared together, both as a trumpet section and as um, an entire wind symphony and combined choir. Um, this, uh, this concert in particular uh, is incredibly special to the University of Illinois and to all involved because this is uh, the uh, one of the culminating concerts of this gathering trip. Um, so this has been just an uh, absolute blast to put together and uh, ready to get back to the second half and play uh, the gathering premiere in New York City. The Marching Illini made its eighth tour of Ireland in March 2018 when they performed in the Dublin St. Patrick's Day Parade. I brought my trusty recorder around the Emerald Isle and documented our six-day trip. So, the Marching Illini is headed to Ireland. Right now we're in the bus here in Champaign and uh, super excited about this 12-hour trip now to uh, Ireland to go march in the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Let's go have some fun. Okay, Jack, what's your go-to bus activity? Uh, some multiplayer Mario on the DS or Minecraft on my phone. We just got off the bus at O'Hare. We're taking our luggage into O'Hare Airport. How do you feel right now? I feel really real. <laughs> I don't know where we're going. We have touched down in Ireland at 6 a.m. We're all exhausted. It's 12 midnight at home in Chicago. And just, what do you feel right now? How are you feeling? Tired. <laughs> That's it, just tired? Yep, that's it. Right now we're at the National Monument. Uh, it's in the care of the Minister for Arts and a Heritage Gale to act in the islands on behalf of the state. I, that was, none of that makes sense. any of it? No. And we just had our first meal in Ireland, so we're at Killigan's, a little Irish pub, but we all got some Irish stew. It's really, really good, having a good time. Uh, next up on our trip, since even though we're not at campus, we're still on a college campus. So we're at Trinity University here in Dublin and just learning about the history, seeing the Book of Kells, doing all that good stuff, and just experiencing what college would be like in a different country. As we toured around uh, Trinity University, I got a chance to ask our tour guide what her favorite part of Dublin is. My favorite part of Dublin yeah. itself, but of course, my favorite part of Dublin would possibly be um, St. Stephen's Green, which is at the top of Grafton Street, just outside the gate here. And it's a wonderful park. We have quite a few lovely parks in Dublin, but that is a really nice one. And um, it's, it's lovely to meet, and I love to guide people through St. Stephen's Green. And good morning, it's St. Patrick's Day. We woke up at 6 a.m. My voice is exhausted. And uh, we're putting on our uniforms because we're marching in the world's biggest St. Patrick's Day parade today in downtown Dublin. Okay, so it's like 7.07 .07 a.m. We're all waiting in line for breakfast. And because I showed up late, I'm at the end of the line. Uh, right now we're all in uniform. Everyone has their gloves off and their shakos off, though, because we're going to eat some food. We've gone off the bus. We're here in downtown Dublin, and we're about ready to uh, start lining up for the parade. How do you feel? I feel cold. That's it? Just you're cold? Well, I'm also excited, of course. Uh, first time out of country, and uh, I get to march in a very popular parade, so I mean, that's pretty cool. We're going to show everybody. 
everybody how to do it, okay? Let's get rowdy! Day by day! Day by day! Get better and better! We get better and better! We can't be beat! So we can't be beat! Won't be beat! Won't be beat! Who are we? Trumpet! Who are we? Trumpet! Let's get rowdy! Woo! 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 One, two, three, Trumpet! I'm with one more time producer right now, Sam Lutz. He was just interviewed by a local Irish radio station. What was that like? It was pretty exhilarating. Um, I've never experienced anything quite like it. for the parade, it's time to be Irish. <laughs> and here's a little snippet from the broadcast on RTE in Ireland of the parade. Well, they're all in great form. As are our first visitors from America, the University of Illinois, the marching Illinois, they're called, oh my goodness, <laughs> they must be perished. I cannot tell you how cold it is here on the bridge. And look at the lovely smiling girls from Illinois. Well, they've traveled over. We've got bands from all over the United States. And look at the color they bring to it and the smiles. Real important part of putting smiles on the faces. The huge crowd gathered here again in Dublin. An hour and a half later, we're done with the parade. parade. How do you feel? How was it? It's parade. It makes me of a Mardi Gras look like crap. <laughs> I feel wonderful though, Steve. What did you think of the parade? It was great. <laughs> there we go. Perform at the Guinness factory. Then we had a free pint afterwards. So let's see how this goes. And it's the second straight day with a 6 a.m. wake up call, so we could go play at a Gaelic football match in Galway. So, playing on the uniform. Then we're going to have breakfast. Then we're going to take a three hour bus ride to the western part of Ireland to go play at a football game. At a Gaelic football match between Galway and Dublin here in Galway right now. Don't really know what Gaelic football is, but we'll be marching into the stadium with a lot of fans. We'll be doing a semi pregame show. Get one point if it goes to the uprights, three if it goes in the goal. And we want to flip some capes. So let's see what happens. Tied at 12, two minutes left extra time here. Galway and Dublin, Gaelic football, greatest live sporting event ever, I've ever been at. Dublin just took the lead in Galway. 13 to 12.
was a draw. We don't get to flip our capes. Nobody won. That's Illinois football in a nutshell. And next up in our tour through Ireland is at the Titanic Museum in Belfast, Northern Ireland. So we're in a different country now, basically, too. There was a bunch about uh, It's the last morning here in Dublin. Our flight leaves about 3 o'clock today, so very fun trip. And we're about to head home. Uh, what's an Irish breakfast, you ask? We got some sausages, potatoes, eggs, baked beans, black pudding. They also have uh, your traditional foods. So we had some cereal, some fruit, and a variety of juices every single day. Well, our flight, our trip, is about coming to an end. We're at the Dublin airport. We just boarded the plane. We're about to take off. It's about eight and a half hours now back to Chicago to O'Hare. Then there are a few hours to drive back to Champaign to the end of this really awesome band trip. Back in Champaign after a long trip home, a bus ride back down to campus. It's late at night now and just very thankful to have had this opportunity to go on this trip. And what we learned on this trip, well, we learned that first, a band trip is what you make it. You can have several performances, you can have one performance. The Marching Illini, we decided to have several, and that just made the trip all that more special to be able to say that I played at the Titanic Museum, at the St. Patrick's Day Parade, at a Gaelic football game. Also, it takes a lot of great organization from Professor Barry Hauser and just the rest of his team to uh, make the trip possible. Bob Rogers uh, Travel, just a really awesome trip, a great opportunity, and every band student should always have the opportunity to go on a special trip like this one. We're going to interrupt our story for some announcements about Illinois bands. Marching Illini preseason camp starts on August 19th with the Illini's first game against the Kent State Golden Flashes on September 1st. School for Illinois students also starts on August 27th with auditions for various ensembles held during the first week of classes. A reminder that Illinois bands now live streams all of its concerts you can watch these live streams by liking us on Facebook and watching there, or by going to the Illinois Bands website at bands.illinois.edu. The stream will appear on our front page just before the concert begins. Please remember that all times given are in Central Standard Time. Now it's time for our segment titled Source Material, and during this monthly segment we'll ask a composer to discuss and break down a selected piece of music and this week, we're joined by Dominic Diorio, who will discuss his piece, The Gathering. You can also get a look at the music on our podcast webpage, as well as a full recording of the work. So this is Gathering, which is a piece to celebrate the 150th birthday of the University of Illinois. Uh, and it was the brainchild of Steve Peterson, director of bands, and Andrew McGill, director of choirs. And they had this great idea to, for the sesquicentennial, celebrate the two historic departments at the University of Illinois School of Music. Uh, and so they knew pretty early who they wanted to get to write a text for this. And it wasn't so much writing as it is compiling. So Richard Powers, who was our librettist, uh, took the texts of three famous U of I alumni from three different historic areas of the university. One is Rosalind Yellow, who's a Nobel-winning uh, physician, one is Mark Van Doren, one of the most important uh, poets of his time. And the last is Fosler Khan, who was a structural engineer and architect. And he took 
texts from all of them and compiled them into this really beautiful libretto, uh, which suggested even in its own way, and only the way Richard could, its own musical choices. And then they started to put their heads together about who should write the music. And when they each compiled their separate lists of who would be possible, right, from the composers that Steve knew in the band world and the composers Andrew knew in the choral world, there was no one on the lists who was the same. So uh, it was at that time that Beth, Steve's wife and also a conductor in her own right, um, said, well, what about Dominic? And Steve is like, oh, yeah, I remember Dominic because I was there at Ithaca College as an undergraduate composer. Uh, and Andrew McGill, of course, has come to know my work through the choral world. And so he was like, oh, I know Dominic as well. And so 24 hours later, I got a phone call asking me to be involved in this birthday celebration for the University of Illinois. And so I thought, yes, absolutely, I want to be a part of this. It sounds fantastic. Uh, and I had not, to that point, read any of Richard's novels, but in my preparation to write the work, I then went about to read some of his work to give me a sense of who he was as an artist uh, and a poet and an author. And as after doing so and immersing myself in some of his words, I finally felt ready to set gathering. And it is a gathering of many sorts, of course, in terms of texts and also musical forces. Uh, and so I wanted to bring together this element of one becoming many, right, in the way a university does on its own very well. And just as people come to a university to study, to enhance their understanding of uh, the world, I wanted this piece to grow from something very small to something very large. Uh, and so it was over a period of, gosh, I think... Uh, about a year and a few months from the phone call until the final bar line was put down and the parts were made uh, that the whole piece took off. And that gestation period of about 14 months followed by four months of rehearsal and now three months of performances has been the total two-year journey of this piece. So this is a 20-minute work, and it begins like with one of the instruments of the Wind Symphony you almost never hear, the double bass, right? <laughs> Playing, as well as the low part of the piano and bass drum rumbles, very quiet, very low C, in this sort of grave-bound terrestrial texture. Uh, is something from which we start to hear um, a little bit of the original theme, the, which comes from the first line of poetry, slowly, slowly wisdom gathers. So we get a little bit of a motive, and then a little more, and then a little more, until we finally get the fleshing out of a melodic idea. Uh, and that is entirely, for the first two minutes, given to the, the symphony, the wind symphony.
and then after that has worked and we hear that material, uh, we then layer on top of that the voices taking that same material. And then we move into a section that uh, quotes from Brahms. We use uh, uh, some of his uh, middle movement of the Brahms Requiem. One of the reasons I chose this work was because it was written in the same year that the University of Illinois was founded. It had premiered uh, 1867, and Brahms' work is known sort of as a universal requiem, right? It speaks to something beyond uh, a particular religious faith, and so it was meant as a piece to encompass many traditions and many ideas, not just those from a narrow subset of um, philosophy or religious life, uh, which felt to me like a very nice companion piece for something like this that goes in line with the element of university and what it means to gather and learn together. So we get this Brahms quote, which uh, from the Wie lieblich sind deine Wohnungen, how lovely is thy dwelling place, in the middle. And that is uh, startlingly so. The stanchion of that uh, original German text matches the stanchion of the Mark Van Doren poem. So I was able to layer onto the original Brahms music the words with the correct text accents of Mark's poetry, which I still sort of found is unbelievable. Like, how could this possibly have worked? And yet it does. And so I borrow just a small section of it, and then it weaves into original music of my own, paired uh, as we do throughout most of the work with uh, one of the solo voices and one of the saxophones. So when we get into this sort of quasi B-flat minor disco bar music that happens uh, about four minutes in, uh, we get the soprano soloist singing the words of Rosalind Yellow, uh, paired with the soprano saxophone. Right, and that pairing will go on for the next three minutes as she completes her idea. And that section is framed by the return of the Brahms. So we get this ABA structure with Brahms, original music with soprano, saxophone, choir, everything, uh, and then Brahms again. And then the soprano element goes away, and that first larger section is done, which is uh, Rosalind Yao's words framed with Mark Van Doren's poetry. Then the baritone comes in with the architect uh, poetry of Fosler Khan. Uh, and this one is all about building and recognizing that technology is, and, uh, and engineering is part of life, but all of that is meaningless without the arts and music and drama. Uh, and so this, we actually hear construction. We hear elements of things that are metallic. We hear hammers and 
beating drums and cymbals and crotales, uh, and we get a scherzo meccanico for the uh, wind symphony, which is its own fun 6-8 section, uh, which the baritone introduces, then the band plays by itself, the baritone is layered on top of, and finally the chorus joins in as well. And then that larger section is brought to a close. Uh, and as that happens, we get uh, Mark Mendelin poetry again now with chorus a cappella for the first time. And what's interesting is the chorus is going to sing this exact same music a few minutes after uh, with the wind symphony singing along. One of the most original ideas we had at the very start when I had come out to meet Richard Powers uh, was that it would be so cool if throughout the course of the piece we have the chorus singing first and then all of the players on stage joining in with that. And so that does happen when this chorale-like texture is repeated. Uh, I had to find a way to make sure they could get back to their instruments quickly enough so that they could then play what comes after it. Uh, but I think in performance it works very well. Uh, and then all of that is taken with the final stanza of the Mark Van Doren poem, uh, now using not the Brahms Requiem text, but the melody from the end of Brahms 1, which was also written 150 years prior to this premiere. We get that now layered again with the correct text accent of the poetry of Mark Van Doren. And that takes us out with a sort of blaze of C major glory uh, and chorus and soloist singing high notes and strong, happy C, right? To gather together all of the forces, musical and poetical, that bring this music to a close.
thank you for joining us on this episode, and if you made it this far, we have one more favor of you to ask of you. If you're getting this through iTunes, please rate the podcast. If you're grabbing this through the website, please like the post. And since you'll be on those sites doing that, if you could leave a comment, we'd really appreciate it. And if you like this episode, you can also help spread the word by sharing it through Facebook, Twitter, any social media site out there. And your help will go a long way to getting more people to listen and enjoy this podcast. Please consider following us on iTunes to make sure you don't miss anything if you enjoyed today's show. If you want to stay current with Illinois bands between episodes, follow us on Facebook or join us on Instagram at Illinois underscore bands. Find us on Twitter at Illinois bands. And of course, watch us on Snapchat at Illinois underscore bands. You can always check out our website for more information, www.bands.illinois.edu. The executive producer and host of today's show is Sean Smith. And the staff of the podcast includes co-host and occasional producer Daniel Dresser, co-host and producer Stephen Cohn, Christian Arkin, and Mary Allison Mahachik, who is also our script supervisor. The mixing of this episode and recording of segments is done by Sam Litz and Zia Fox. Of course, none of this would be possible without the Illinois Band's faculty, Stephen Peterson, Director of Bands, Linda Morehouse, Senior Associate Director of Bands, Beth Peterson, Associate Director of Bands, and Barry Hauser, Associate Director of Bands and Director of Athletic Bands. Illinois Bands is part of the School of Music at the University of Illinois and the College of Fine and Applied Arts. We would also like to thank Dominic Diorio, Dr. Tim Lotzenheiser, and Scott Schwartz for their contributions to this episode. We hope you join us next month on One More Time.